1: Show on Marcus Farrow, 508-996-0500 is how you can join me this evening. Uh, also taking your messages on the WBSM app chat. Um, so looks like it's going to be Carmen Amaral versus uh, Sean Oliver, which will be, I think, a very interesting race uh, in Ward 3. Um, and so the final, some of the final results are, uh, again... Um, so, uh, so again, uh, the final results, Carmen Amaral 160, all right, so Sean Oliver 193, which is 28% of the vote, 686 total. Sean Oliver, uh, 193, which is 28% of the vote. Carmen Amaral 160, which is 23% of the vote. Robert, uh, Robert Bromley, 133, which is uh, 19% of the vote. Jake Ventura, 85, which is 12% of the vote. Kathy Daner, 53, which is 7% of the vote. Robert Cabral, 40, which is 5% of the vote. And, and John Robinson, 19 votes. So again, instead of complaining about me on the air, probably should have went and campaigned. Um, so... The Venn diagram, actually, of the people who were complaining last night, uh, taking shots at me, and the people who are in the bottom of the results, uh, that Venn diagram is actually a perfect circle. So um, stop making excuses and go campaign. So uh, welcome back to South Coast tonight. I'm Marcus. 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program this evening. Um, We... We'll have Adam Bass, I believe, coming in studio. Uh, He was just at City Hall. I think he said everybody is – he did get comment. Um, I did reach out. I sent a message to uh, Sean Oliver uh, and Carmen Amaral on the contact info that I have for them and asked them if they wanted to call in, that we're here till 10, if they want to call in, if they want to celebrate with whomever. I get that too, but we'll be here till 10. We'll certainly be talking to them more as the campaign – as their campaigns progress but i think that's i think that's uh that's going to be an interesting race like i said six years ago um when there was that special election with hugh dunn he had gotten 53 percent of the vote in a six-way race so we're not getting that this time so there was no votes up for grabs basically and i think there were fewer people that showed up in the general than uh than in the preliminary because the general was a uh was a uh, very because the general election was uh inc- like downpouring incredibly rainy day so so we're looking at 193 for um all, uh 193 for Oliver 160 for Amaral 133 for Bromley 40 for uh 44 uh 44 Cabral 53 for Daner 85 for Ventura 19 for Robinson so um I mean I think that that's There's just so many votes up for grabs. When you have the first and second leading vote getters getting around 25%, you have a uh, (laughs) – you have – what is that, you know? They each have – if you have 28 and 23% of, of votes up for grabs, you've got basically half the votes left, Right. You got half the votes that are up for grabs now, and you can maybe convince people that voted one way to vote the other way. So this is a this is now a wide open anybody's race uh, situ- situation. Uh, the general, so we you know it, it's really it was really interesting. Uh, you know, we looked like you know we had we had Sean Oliver and uh, Carmen Amaral on. They had Carmen Amaral, I really liked her story a lot, and I thought she told it very well. Uh, she talked about. You know, uh, how she grew up uh, as, as an immigrant, had to be an advocate, um, worked in education and how that's uh, trained her to be, to be an advocate. Sean Oliver brings a, a really everyman perspective uh, to the city, uh, to to the uh, what he said is he's he's the typical resident. He's running to be the typical resident. He's done a ton of work uh, that you can see. Um, just based on the number of signs that are up, just seeing what he's done. You know, he's put $5,000 of his own money into the campaign. So they've been working pretty hard. Um, still, you know, it's a low turnout, right? That's that's a very low turnout. Um, you, you want more people to, to, to even even in these. It's about what we expected from a, a Ward 3 special election, you know, a special election ward race, The the numbers. But you still want it to be. You, know, you want it to be better than that, right? You you really want it to be better than that, um, the, especially in light of the sort of abysmally low, low numbers that uh, New Bedford had posted during the uh, statewide elections this past year, and then the, you know, the uh, even more abysmally low uh, turnout numbers in the last city elections in 2019, which I think was around, 10, uh, yeah, in 2021, which I think was around 10%, and then in 2019, I think it was around 13 Thirteen percent, something like that. So um, it used to be at least over twenty percent. Now you're getting sub twenty percent numbers. You, you you know, there's got to be a conversation about how to get higher turnout. Uh, you know, I, I know that turnout, voter turnout in general, is a national problem. But New Bedford is is leading, is one of the leaders, uh, I think, in, in low voter turnout. Fifth in the state, fifth in the state, in at least the statewide elections in both rounds um fifth in the state in both both elections and then i don't know about municipal elections we'll have to we'll have to check but i think probably towards the bottom of the barrel so far especially with the last few postings so you want those numbers to be to be better but um tell you what we're gonna do we're gonna i'm gonna take a quick break now uh and then we'll uh then we'll be right back this is south coast tonight listen
2: to us live anyway <laughs> Hey, how you doing, Marcus? Sean Oliver here.
1: Hey, Sean! Congratulations uh, on on leading the pack today in in votes. What do you um, uh, what's your reaction to that? And how do you uh attribute uh, you know, what do you attribute that uh, this you know early, I guess, sort of victory to?
2: Well, it's you know, it is an early victory. It's not really a victory. We still have a a long way to go. Um, but uh, I, it's hard work, uh, Marcus. Uh, you said it right from the beginning. It's uh, it's demanding. Um, and uh, and I, I think that we we approached it um, just like any job where you just roll up your sleeves and you get in it.
1: Yeah, you you went to you went door to door. It seems like you really did the work going door to door. I saw a lot of uh, Sean Oliver signs out there in uh, in Ward 3. Um, your your pitch was the typical you're the typical resident. You're representing the typical resident and that seemed to resonate with people.
2: I I think it absolutely does, you know. I I feel um that the the people in in Ward 3 have um felt not only uh, misrepresented or unheard but un, unrelated to me unrelatable, excuse me, to um maybe some of the representation that they've had, you know. It's uh, can I approach this is this person approachable is, you know, uh, I think that with certain um, you know, seats, whether it be with employment, with different bosses and things like that, or, you know, is, is this, is that person, uh, uh, accessible to me? And, and that's, that's the biggest thing. I think that the people just didn't, a lot of people didn't want to reach out to their, um, their council because they didn't know if they were going to even be heard or, or, or listened to because they didn't think that, um, they couldn't relate to that person and i think that the the, the citizens of, the, of ward 3 um, definitely have somebody that they can relate to in me
1: so we're speaking with Sean Oliver he finished first in the preliminary election he's going on to the um, to the uh, the general election to face Carmen Amaral any um uh, what's any general thoughts uh, on uh, on your 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 opponent um uh, miss amaral
2: i mean She's, she's running a good campaign obviously or she wouldn't uh, be in the position, position that she's uh, in right now coming in with um, uh, you know the second most votes so um, she ran an effective campaign and um, I, I look forward to um, meeting her at, at the end in February on February 28th
1: so Sean you put five thousand dollars of your own money in your campaign that was a serious investment I, it's
2: so it's Not just an investment. It's it's a um, well, it is an investment. It's an investment in in our future. It's an investment in my son's future. It's an investment in Ward Three. It's it's easy to ask for donations and ask for money or have um, you know donations come in, but I I feel when you put your own hard-earned money. You know, and as you said before, uh, Marcus, um, you know, you can go on an all paid you know, trip with yeah. that type of money. Yeah. You know, but instead, I want a woodsy. Right. Um. But uh, it's not it's it's not that I want a woodsy. I want people in the city to know that I'm invested in you.
1: So, Sean, I know you probably have some celebrating to do. I'm going to let you go, but before I let you go, what are you going to do going forward to carry that momentum uh, of of tonight?
2: Well, um, tonight is just a reflection point, um, and we just continue exactly where we left off today. We were uh, making connections and talking with people throughout the night. We didn't stop, um, and uh, and that's something that we're going to uh, continue going forward. Uh, we approach this campaign with a nonstop approach um, every day, every door, and uh, that's what we're going to do once again.
1: Great, Sean. Uh, look forward to talking with you more as this campaign, uh, as this, as this election continues. And uh, congratulations again.
2: Thank you, Marcus.
1: That was Sean Oliver, uh, war, uh, one of the finalists in the Ward Three City Council uh, election. Again, I, I think a, a really uh, a message that really resonated. Running a strong campaign, being the typical resident, uh, you know, and really investing a lot of time and energy, doing that work, doing that that laying down, uh, doing, going door to door, putting up all those signs. I, I, you know, I'd watched his camp, you know, I'd watched a lot of his activity on social media. He was hitting a lot of the fundamentals that he was hitting a lot of the, uh, the fundamentals that you'd, um, that you would, um, that you'd ex- expect, uh, from a winning campaign. Um, and, had a strong social media presence and all of that. so it seems like the people have really responded uh, to him. Um, so what we're gonna do is I'm going just gonna take a quick little um, I'm just gonna take a quick little break and then we'll um, we will be right back. Okay, this is weird. All right, I'm gonna have to. I want to do this, but I have. Uh, actually, all right. Just play this for a second while I go let Adam Bass in. Stay tuned. Is going to be joining us. He was live on the ground for us this evening, getting the results. We heard from Sean Oliver. Sean Oliver just called in. I reached out to Carmen Amaral to see if she um, wanted to call in. I had sent her uh, an email. That's the contact I had for. her. So uh, you could, you don't know, need headphones right now. You're fine. Do you want headphones? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I think you're good. Yeah. So, Adam, uh, you were at City Hall. What was the vibe like there?
3: Well, it was a mix of uh, excitement, a little bit of sadness, but uh, at the end of the day, a gratefulness. They were uh, the candidates, uh, five of them that were there. uh, They were hugging and congratulating each other. The two candidates that won were Sean Oliver and Carmen Amaral. Uh, Sean Oliver won by 193 votes. Carmen Amaral won by 160. And There was a great scene caught by the New Bedford Light of the two embracing each other. It was a very sweet scene, and it's going to be a fun— Amaral and Oliver? Yes, Amaral and Oliver. Uh, There seems to be no bad blood at all, no partisan bickering between anybody in these elections. That's how municipal government works at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. It's very much about personal personal issues rather than partisan issues. So—
1: yeah, so it sounds like, so you talked to you talk to Bromley, uh, his general reaction was, you know, he's grateful for his support, he That's came correct. fairly close, mm-hmm. um, so he's going to, he has not committed to running for, for re-election, it seems.
3: Bromley did come in third with about 130 votes, but yes, he did not sound committed to going into another candidacy for anything else as of yet. He also did not say who he would support in the general election, he said it was too early. So we'll have to see on that. We'll have to see if any of the candidates decide to support either um, Amaral or Oliver.
1: You know, when I when I um, when we did when, when you know, the last special election that happened, uh, a lot of the candidates had coalesced around um, around Hugh. But uh, a lot of the can- every candidate that had dropped out had basically endorsed Hugh after. But the difference was, I think it was a much, you know, he was he had won 53 percent of the vote in a six way race. This mm-hmm. looks like there's. 50 the you know there's 50 percent of the vote between the top two vote getters uh, about that and there's another 50 percent up to grab so this race is wide open
3: it's it's only a 30 vote race between the two uh it could come down to what kind of voters they can attract now the big key group of voters that i've actually talked with both uh jack spillane about are the high educated excuse me um high educated college educated Uh, affluent voters on the Dartmouth border. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dartmouth, for those who don't live in the South Coast area, is a town that's pretty well off uh, high-income earners and those who have a college degree. used to vote very Republican back in the day, but starting to vote vote Democrat. Uh, Currently, we're going to have to see who wins those voters in the precincts of 3E and 3F. And in 3E, that was Amaral's home district – or excuse me, home precinct. And she managed to run up the score and take second there. Now, where does she pick off all the other votes? Can she pick off some Bromley votes? Can she pick off some uh, Ventura votes? Though that might be very hard to do considering Ventura is – labels herself as a Republican and she is more – Amaral is more left-leaning in terms of
1: policy. Had you heard uh, Kathy Dana was there, did you get a chance to talk to her at all?
3: She said she was grateful uh, to run again, but she said – She was fine with what it was. She didn't say much, though, to be
1: perfectly honest. Um, Anybody else there?
3: Uh, No one uh, of particular – uh, there. Uh, there was, of course, the wonderful people at New Bedford Light and New Bedford Guide. I somehow accidentally ended up on their live stream and I was not ready for prime time. Uh, my hair... Was it uh, Paul Santos? It was Paul. And he said hello. And Paul's a very nice guy. Paul's, um, Paul fills in here once in a while. And, you know, it, it was it was very... You know, I've done TV before and <laughs> yeah. I, I just didn't have my hair ready. You know, I, I
1: was walking all so, around. Tell people about yourself. You worked for a couple of TV stations or at least one.
3: One. I only worked for one TV station and that was an uh, internship at new tv i was uh the reporter and their anchor um you know i I like the tv world fine but i think radio and print are my one true loves at the end of the day uh no disrespect to those who do tv news i mean ted nisi paul the the guys at wpri they're they're the champs at at tv news yeah of course you know in, in a different world if i had Better hair and a better wardrobe. Maybe, maybe (laughs) television. Uh, Ted was your professor. Yes, he was. And, you know, I was listening to him on the show the other night with Arthur and Jack. And I was just blown away by how much he knew about New Bedford and how wet behind the ears I am. I will admit that. I still have a lot to learn about this wonderful yeah. city.
1: Well, Ted's been down here for a while, uh-huh. so so you know he's got a he's got a few years uh, on, on both of us actually. So <laughs> you'll you'll uh, I think you'll pick it up uh, pretty easily. But um, so uh, looks like uh, looks like it should be a pretty interesting race going on to the general. Did you talk to Carmen Amaro? Yes, all? I
3: actually did. Okay. Uh, she said she's grateful that she came in second. She is going to work on uh, building coalitions because that's what. And I quote. That's what elections are all about, and she's right. This Mm -hmm. is this is about building coalitions and seeing how much votes you can pick up at the end of the day. So she's going to do that. She's going to try to energize more uh, voters, and this is something that um, uh, Sean Oliver said as well. The city needed to do more, and and I quote: "The city should have needed to do more in in attracting voters to vote because it was a low turnout election." They do,
1: yeah, and it's been low, and it's been low. uh, it's been low forever, you know. Um, it's uh, it's. I mean, it's it's been low. It's been getting lower and lower. It's been always been low, but it's been getting lower and lower over time. So. Why do you think that is? It's a good question. Um, so it could be the there hasn't been a competitive mayor's race. That could be part of it. Um, but uh, even you know, even when there wasn't, uh, they still was plus twenty five percent. There were some promises from elections office that there'd be better voter turnout. Uh, you know, things in place. We haven't seen any of that. So uh, I think there needs to be a bit more action on that for sure.
3: Do you think that more people should be talking? I feel like I'm I'm the host now. Um, do you think That's more fine. people should be talking to the elections office? Uh, those who are just not in politics, but also those who are just kind of interested, like those yeah. at reporters or any
1: others? Yeah, I mean, you know, the the data is there, right? That there's there's the data is there for New Bedford's turnout numbers. It's very easily accessible. You can see that mayoral election uh the city election turnouts have dropped precipitously in the last just 6 years. Mm-hmm. This voter this ward 3 voter turnout wasn't you know, it was it was more or less on par uh I think, but it's like a seven-person race, you know, uh Again, you know, there probably should be more. uh, You know, there probably should be a better effort on on, on the behalf of the city yeah. to get people to turn out. I
3: remember when MA or uh, Massachusetts Fourth Congressional District, uh, primary when Joe Kennedy the Third decided to run against Ed Markey for Senate turnout <laughs> was huge. I remember yeah. staying up until three in the morning uh, with my friends on the Cod Cabin, the Massachusetts podcast show I do. Nice book. Lo- looking at um. Looking at Nita, my hometown to see if yeah. that was the deciding vote, and there was it was just huge there, so the fact that it's happening in in suburban areas more than inner city gateway cities, that could be a problem,
1: yeah, I think so um uh i you know it's just. With the well, the 2020 election was a little different. You had Trump on the ballot. There was a lot of people that wanted to turn out for that and get him out of office, especially in Massachusetts. But you're talking about the primary election. Um, You know, they had expanded voter access. They had expanded voter access. Now, seven people showed up to vote early on. On on, uh, seven people showed up to vote early on Saturday, and uh, or. Yeah, and then I think there's only like twelve that returned an absentee ballot. So even with these expanded accesses, there needs to be a lot more to invigorate people to to convince them that that the, the local elections matter more than than a lot of these other national elections. People are wasting their time with.
3: I wonder if it is a top out thing because I remember in um, in 2022 with the midterm elections when I was watching Rhode Island's second elect uh, second district with uh, Seth Magaziner and Alan Fung Providence had really poor turnout yeah. and that's the area where Democrats need to do well in and obviously Magaziner won that race with yeah. votes from Cranston and all those again suburban areas Yeah. but the inner cities the, the heart and soul of New England Democrats it almost didn't show
1: up yeah uh i think it's been a problem in uh, in boston as well but again new bedford i think is is unique in in and that's it's the fifth lowest turnout in the state, I think Worcester was number one, but Worcester, like in terms of like what your what your demand is in the market, in terms of getting political power and all of that stuff, and getting things that you need, Worcester, uh, like Worcester has a lot more people, right? So ten percent of Worcester is a lot more than you know over thirteen percent of New Bedford. So it's been a it's been an, uh, a a continual problem here, and it's something that probably needs to be addressed. And if you know if Oliver gets elected, maybe he can work to address that. Maybe. So, uh, Adam, I appreciate you uh, joining me. You're going to be in the city council meeting on Thursday, right? And you're, You've got your eye on a couple things.
3: Yes, I have my eye on a couple things, as you said. The first is several nominations being put to a final vote. Uh, these are all nominations from Mayor John Mitchell. He's put up a lot of nominees for the Poor Authority, of, excuse me, the Licensing Board, and uh, the Board of Health. So we'll be keeping an eye on that. Another one that uh, our good friend Kate, is interested in is the approval of dollars for – or excuse me, the the approval of allowing the MBTA to foot the bill for a new bridge that would connect uh, the mainland to its new uh, station, the station. That's in
1: our news segment. So just for people who don't know, uh, that's in our news segment, and uh, it's basically – what it is it's a 21 million dollar walk walking bridge that uh is over the that'll be over the Route 18 highway right mm-hmm. and so it'll connect the MBTA station with basically i think maybe downtown mm-hmm. um so it'll connect those two areas so people can walk so people can more easily walk to the uh to the train station all they got to do is get approval from city council and the MBTA will foot the bill for the project that's correct and
3: there are signs that point to this. This might get passed because they rather have the MBTA foot the bill than city council foot the bill because twenty one million dollars that's a lot of money. It would be quite the thing if
1: they didn't if they didn't vote for it. Well, right?
3: That's that's why I'm covering it. The <laughs> yeah. other thing I'm looking at, and this is the big one, is the city council uh, a motion proposed by city council president Linda Morad to disagree with the state's. Uh, Suggestion to replace their septic tanks. Mm-hmm. This is a big issue going on in uh, southern New Bedford, uh, southern uh, Bristol County, uh, a Cushnet, the town right next to New Bedford and Free uh, Fairhaven. Excuse me, they're voting no on this, uh, and the city council, or at least C- Council President Mora, had said we're not a fan of this kind of. <sighs> Yeah, uh, so
1: the, 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 so you're talking about the Title 5 septic regulations. Yes, Title 5, excuse me. Yeah, so the Title 5 septic regulations um uh the 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 Title 5 septic regulations are basically a um, uh, these new regulations that might come down from the Department of uh, Environmental Protection—you uh, know—it's going to impact Dartmouth right now immediately. It'll pay, all of the Cape would be impacted by this, uh, and then yeah, some of the so, so, a lot of the towns that have septic systems. Most of Fairhaven, I know, isn't—I uh, think ninety-something percent of Fairhaven. Isn't uh, doesn't have uh, doesn't have septic uh, as as far as I know, but it can impact parts of Fairhaven as well. Um, But they're in order to reduce nitrogen, they're basically in um, they're basically trying to make uh, cities and either residential homeowners or town uh, or towns municipalities themselves pay a lot of money to update their septic systems. I heard that a couple of state house leaders are not too fond of this. Is that true? Yeah. So Chris Markey and Chris Markey and Mark Montigny. Uh, so Chris Markey re- represents Dartmouth uh, in the state uh, in the state house as a rep, and Mark Montigny, Dartmouth is part of his district. He's you know the senator from New Bedford. They filed a a, a law that would basically that basically says whatever whatever via, whatever regulations DEP wants to um, implement on this, they've got to foot the bill. So so similar
3: to-, to what the MBTA would be doing with this bridge.
1: Yeah, so similar what similar to what the MBTA would be doing uh, with this uh, w- with with this bridge, but it would be the DUP. Like you know, they want they want this to happen. Um, they're going to have to foot the bill themselves, so that you know that would have to get passed and all of that. But that would be a check to DEP to say, "Hey, listen, you know, if you're going to move forward with this, we're not going to just let you do it. You're going to have to at least pay for it." So I think that's uh, I think it's a it's a good it's a good step. They're probably going to have to get uh, a bit more co sponsorship on it, but I think they'll be able to do it. I think
3: one of the things to keep an eye on is Montigny in the Senate because I think. Uh, Senator Senate President Karen Spilka is in support of these changes. She comes from an area where they're not they're not all set to tanks in Ashland. Ashland, yeah, uh, right. But I think this is aimed more towards those suburban areas where septic tanks and climate issues are a bigger deal. Yep. Uh, and obviously, we'll have to see how Chris Markey does with. <sighs>
1: Well, definitely New, I mean, uh, New Bedford. Yeah. I, Chris Chris was joking about it. He said a lot of these New Bedford, a lot of the New Bedford reps are with him, standing standing with him in lockstep. But he said, you know, it doesn't impact New Bedford a lot. So I mean, it's, it's good that the city council wants to speak out on it. I think it's important to be on the record against the issue. But it probably isn't going to impact that impact it the New Bedford all that much, even if these regulations get put in place. Do you think that he's using New Bedford as not a
3: crutch, but a, a, a symbol to represent the power of the South Coast because it is the largest city down here.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think it's just – again, I think it's just something that maybe residents in New Bedford are concerned with. They're reaching out to their city council saying, hey, we're concerned. They say like, we're going to be on the record against this and we'll fight it if we can. Um, I think that's probably more or less what it is. But having said that, there's nothing that they can do about it, and it's not going to affect them really. But it's still interesting that they're willing to to go on the record about it. I'll
3: definitely have to I, – I hope to ask some questions on that.
1: Yeah, so you're going to be there. You're going to talk to them uh, on Thursday. Mm-hmm. That's their full council meeting. You said that there were uh, some some committee appointments that I guess they have to go to the full council.
3: Uh, most committee appointments, it's very similar to how, for those who watch national television, how a Supreme Court nominee works. So, out of the judiciary. So out of the judiciary, they go through one committee and then they go to the final senate or in this case the city council because there is no senate down here uh, for a full vote. Okay. So you get a pr- so you get the stamp of approval from the uh, a- approval committee, um, and they say, okay, we recommend this to a full vote to the city council. Mm-hmm. And then they vote as a whole to the city council. Now, you can actually get a good sense of how they're going to vote because all the city council is on that committee. So yeah. if they vote uh, 10 to 0 on, in, in the committee, they're probably going to vote 10 to 0 in the full vote.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, so it seems like they're going to move forward with that. And then we'll be tracking the vote, the next vote tech school committee nominee, uh, as well. Cause that was, uh, Pretty hotly contested thing. I think the first thing you covered. Uh,
3: yes. It, well, that's not true. The first thing I covered was the return of the Ernest
1: of, Ernest series. Yeah, the Ernestina Morris. Ernestina Morrissey, yeah. Morrissey. Excuse me. Yeah, that was a big deal. That was a big deal. Adam, uh, I know I've held you. You've got to write your column, that's so right. I'll 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 let you uh, I'll let you you uh, do that. Thank you for uh, for joining me uh, in this portion of the show. Thank you for having me. Anytime. All right, we're gonna take a break now. We'll be right back. This is South Coast Tonight on Election Night. I'm Marcus Farrow.
0: 1420 WBSM is now also on 99.5 FM
3: Miss Juanita Segura and I was diagnosed in November of 2014 with non-small cell lung cancer the first time I heard about biomarker testing was actually My husband, he just started researching about lung cancer.
1: And I found out about biomarker testing and I'm like, why not? Let's try it.
3: I'm Dr. Jorge Gomez, thoracic
0: medical oncologist at the Mount Sinai Hospital. Comprehensive biomarker testing is looking for either substances in the blood or mutations in some of the genes of the cancer cells that can help us identify special types of lung cancer that can be treated with what we call targeted therapies.
3: Letting my children know brought all of us a sense of hope. To give them hope that mom is going to be around to see you grow up. And I promised them that.
0: Ask your doctor about how comprehensive biomarker testing before treatment may help you and your doctor decide on the best treatment for you. Visit noonemiss.org for more.
4: A public service message from Longevity Foundation.
0: Young people are leaving foster care at the age of 18 with little support and few skills. The National Fund for Foster Children partners with individuals, businesses, churches, and civic groups to provide mentorship, training, and assistance to foster children. Teach a young person a new skill or help them with homework. You don't need to be a foster parent to help a foster child. To find out how you can help, go to fosterchildrenfund.org or contact us on Facebook. National Fund for Foster Children.
4: Mom's early Alzheimer's diagnosis was hard to take. And when I left the oven on, we decided together that it was time to see a doctor and make a plan. Early detection gave us more time to seek out information and support as a family. If you or your family are noticing changes, it could be Alzheimer's. Talk
0: about seeing a doctor together. For more information, visit alz.org time to talk a message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. WBSM isn't just a broadcast. It's also a podcast. Get all of our podcasts at wbsm.com, the WBSM app, or just search WBSM on your favorite podcast provider.
1: Welcome back. So, looking at the final looking at the final results again, uh, Alicia from New Bedford sent uh, thank you for sending me that that uh, scan of the of the final results. Um, that is Sean Oliver, 193, Carmen Amaral, 160, Bob Bromley, 133, Robert Cabral, 40, Kathy Danner, 53, Jake Ventura, 85, John Robinson, 19. So uh, Sean Oliver is, is 28% of the vote. Carmen Amaral is uh, 23% of the vote. Robert Cabral is 19% of the vote. I mean, Robert Bromley is 19% of the vote. Uh, Jake Ventura was 12% of the vote. Kathy Daner was uh, was 7% of the vote. Robert Cabral was 6% of the vote. And John Robinson was 2% of the vote. So that's the total. So, you know, you got to wonder with these numbers if, uh, you know, and I I did, you know, I did have uh, Adam ask, uh, I did have Adam ask, um, ask uh, Bromley if he's going to run again. Uh, He's got to be thinking about it with these numbers, right? You know, he's, you know, he doesn't want to make a call on that now. And I understand that, but he's got to be thinking about, he's got to be thinking about it. And frankly, based on these numbers, we'll see how the general election turns out. Whoever comes in second. I think you're going to, you might see a, a three way race in, uh, in, in the, uh, in the fall in Ward 3. Or maybe you might see some of these candidates run for at large. You, that happens quite a bit where you see candidates that didn't quite, you know, didn't quite get the results they wanted in the, uh, in a ward race and they run at large maybe once or twice and they eventually get in that, uh, you know, there's counselors, um, that are on the council now that, that had that strategy and it's worked pretty well for them. So maybe you see some of them run at large. Maybe you see some of them uh, run again for that ward seat. Uh, I I would be surprised, honestly, just based on the numbers. I think you got to, you know, you've already got the campaign infrastructure there. You've already got the votes. You've already got the name ID. Uh, If you can build on it, I think you're going to see that. But right now we've got a general election. It's a, a month and four days away. So 34 days away, There's go- we're going to be talking more with Carmen Amaral and Sean Oliver. We had Sean Oliver call in. I did reach out to Carmen Amaral, asked her if she wanted to call in. Um, asked her if she wanted to call in. Uh, I hadn't heard back yet, but uh, it was good to at least talk to Mr. Oliver so far. So we're going to continue... Um, we're going to continue following that race. We've got a lot of other good stuff. I believe we're going to have Tony Cabral in tomorrow, State Rep Tony Cabral, to talk about the uh, new courthouse that he wants to build in New Bedford and some other things that are going on uh, in the State House. So uh, we've got Taunton uh, uh, Mayor Sean O'Connell at the end of the week, or at, on Thursday, and then uh, Friday, we've got something good planned, too. So. A lot going on. Mayor Mitchell's coming on with us next week, but he'll be back with Tim this week. He'll probably be talking about his conference of mayors uh, visit. we um, be t- probably talking about his conference of uh, his uh, his U.S. conference of mayors visit. He was in D.C. for the week. He, you know, there's the MBTA, um, the MBTA bridge, the twenty one million dollar MBTA bridge. That they want to build. That's going to be in front of the city council on Thursday. We're going to hear from our contributor Adam Bass, who's going to be live in city council. He's provided an, a fantastic contribution to our programming here um, on uh, on not on WBSM and on South Coast Tonight specifically. Having him be able to call in and give those live updates is really honestly one of the main things I wanted to do with this program, and I'm so happy to be able to have done it uh, with now with uh, with Adam. Um, you know, when we have those those live updates, that really adds, and I think that adds a lot of value that a lot of local radio stations aren't able to provide um, that on the ground response to things that are going on in city hall so uh, really grateful to adam for that and we could see if we can dispatch him to other town election event uh town elections too when uh when the spring rolls around um and we get something you know fair haven dartmouth etc and those uh those elections start to heat up we'll, we'll be tracking those as well because uh election season never stops when you're in local politics you've got you know, you've got special elections and off years. Your your municipal municipal elections are off years. You got your even years, even year midterm and presidential elections, and of course, you've got your uh, you've got your um, your every year town elections. So. Election season never stops when you're when you're on the ground locally and we so we're going to continue doing that here at uh, at WBS7 on South Coast tonight specifically. I'm really excited for that. So 508-996-0500. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take a break now. We'll be back this is South Coast tonight I'm Marcus Farrow. 14 over earlier. Here's Carmen Emerald. Hey Carmen.
4: Hey, Marcus. How are you?
1: Congratulations. Uh, congratulations on your, on your finish tonight. You're one of the two candidates that's going to move on to the general election. What do you attribute this, uh, this um, first of you, hopeful, hopefully two victories,
4: uh, in your campaign? Well, first I want to say I'm so grateful to every, you know, the folks who came out and voted. I know we wanted more voter turnout, but I'm grateful for uh, the almost 700 people who came out on a cold January night, and, you know, it was it was hard work. I'm so grateful to my volunteers and everybody who showed support. It was grassroots campaigning.
1: So, um, so Carmen, uh, you're facing off against Sean Oliver. Uh, do you have any particular thoughts um, on, uh, on Mr. Oliver as a candidate?
4: You know, I think he's another really great candidate. I think all the folks, like I said last night, uh, we had seven strong people come out candidates for everybody in the ward. And, uh, you know, I look forward to the next month.
1: So you said, um, I think you said to our our report, Adam Bass, uh, you've you've been coalition building and that's how you win elections. What types of coalitions do you think you've built so far?
4: So it really is getting out and talking to people, right? I mean, I've been an educator for so long. I've been through various, you know, public education institutions. I've made Friends along the way. I've been. I've lived in this community forever. So really, it is. That's the kind of coalition building that you do.
1: So I know um, you're. You've been. You've been uh, introducing people on your social media. Your campaign team. Like I've seen uh, Zach Boyer and others that you've. Uh, you sort of profiled uh, on your Instagram and and, and uh, campaign Facebook. Why do you think it was yep. important to highlight your
4: campaign team? Because of all the hard work that they're doing. You know, I, I really am so grateful these people. Sherry, who I've known since I was six years old. We met in the first grade at Sarah D. Ottawell School. We've been friends for so long, really bringing her talents for design. Kara, who's an incredible person, you know, really going out and doing communications. Zach, uh, who is our treasurer. Penelope, our volunteer coordinator. These people have been amazing and, and, you know, they deserve credit. They're members of the community. They're incredibly important.
1: So, Carmen, uh, again, congrats uh, on tonight. Uh, look forward to talking with you more as the general election moves forward. What do you plan to do going forward uh, to build on the work that you've done?
4: You know, Marcus, it's been hard work since December 5th. It's going to be another month of hard work, getting out, knocking on doors, talking to more people, continuing to get to know um, the concerns of the folks of Ward 3 and, and you know, bring them to understand that I'm, I'm the best candidate to represent them in City Hall.
1: Carmen, congrats again. Thanks for joining me. Look forward to talking with you again soon. Thanks so much.
4: Have a great night,
1: Marcus. You as well. That was Carmen Amaral. So we heard from Sean Oliver and Carmen Amaral tonight in the in um, in the uh, in the the two finalists in the Ward 3 City Council special election. Again, going to be a very interesting race go- going forward. We're going to feature those candidates here on South Coast tonight. We're going to be talking about this race. Uh, it is... Um gonna be really interesting. Uh so um that's it. That's the uh that's the field. So thanks again to Adam for thanks again to um our uh our contributor, Adam Bass, for being on the ground, being at City Hall to get those live reactions, uh give us some live updates on the results. Thanks to everybody that uh texted me, different um precinct numbers uh all night. It was a bit uh diff and uh, you know thanks to the audience who who tuned in who uh who called in who sent an app chat message some people sent me polling uh, numbers themselves uh, and I really appreciate that that's a huge help to me whenever you guys can do that I, I do appreciate your participation uh in this uh in these election night specials so thanks so much for joining me chris and i'll be back tomorrow we're going to have a great show for you um again congrats to Sean Oliver and Carmen Amaral the finalists in the Ward 3 City Council special uh election uh, and the general election will be February 28th, so about 34 days from now. We're going to see what's today, 24th. Yeah, 34 days from now, we're going to, uh, we're there's going to be a new Ward 3 city councilor. It's going to be really interesting. I know two, both candidates are going to continue to work hard and hit the ground running, um, on that, uh, on that race. So looking forward to hearing from them more, at, uh, after that. So again, thanks so much to everybody who called in. Thanks for to Adam Bass. Thanks. Thanks to all of you guys for tuning in. Stay tuned for our great programming tomorrow. We've got Phil Paleologus. Tim Weisberg, Barry Richard, Howie Carr, and then we're back on South Coast tonight at 7 o'clock tomorrow night, so stay tuned. I've been Marcus Farrow, and I'll see you with Chris McCarthy tomorrow.